We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which this podcast is recorded and produced, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, whose sovereignty was never ceded and this area's original name was Nam. We pay respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Damn! We're in a tight spot! Welcome to Music Town. May I service you? Great Scott! It will never be enough! I only want to hear you, you ding dong! Ah, as if! Dignity. Always dignity. You're listening to You Watched What? I'm Amy. And I'm Kate. And this week we did the 1988 classic, I always say classic, Who Framed <laughs> Roger Rabbit. <laughs> As I was saying, I was like, Every I movie we choose. Classic. Every movie we choose is a classic. It's, it's just how it goes. <laughs> or even if it's not a classic, yeah. we feel it's a classic. And that's what truly yes. matters. We are creating the movie canon of important classics. We're just defining it for everybody. Yeah. And if you don't agree, tough luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Find another movie podcast that takes things more seriously. That yeah. sounds very boring. Not us. I just realised no. too in saying it that I had done no research like I had planned to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even know who oh, it's directed no. by. I, w- I, I watched it Friday Friday night, I think, was when I watched it. Yeah. And then so I was we like, both oh, I've did. got Saturday and, you know, Sundays are right off because happy Easter. We're recording oh, yes. Easter Monday. Um, so I thought Sundays are right off, but Saturday I'll do all my fun facts <laughs> research. I'll find out all the, the little goss that we need to. And then I was looking down at my notes and I was like, I've got None. nothing. <laughs> nothing. I... Sat there on Friday night and I watched it and I had a lovely time watching it. And then, yes, um, spent Saturday thinking, Amy will do the research. <laughs> this time it's her pick. It'll be fine. Yeah, we spent Sunday having a lovely time, but mostly in the sunshine in the backyard, enjoying beautiful weather. It's crappy today. It's raining. Uh, it's Ooh. perfect podcast recording weather. I don't want to go out and do things. But, Okay, so it was directed by Robert Zemeckis, who oh, is... Oh, I know that name. Um, yes. You do know Robert Zemeckis. He is yes. uh, one of Steven Spielberg's protégés. And uh-huh. he's most famous, I think, for Back to the Future and Forrest oh, of Gump. of course. But he is an, yeah, he's an incredibly successful um, mainstream director. I'm just looking, what has he done in recent years? Not as much in recent years. Oh, he re- he did that recent version of the witches that kind of looked anti-semitic that's not great oh Oh, he did the polar express he's done castaway okay he's worked with tom Tom hanks a lot yeah yeah Yeah. but i mean like you do forrest gumper that was really career making for both of them but yeah the all of the back to the futures so he's had quite a successful directorial career Mm -hmm. a thing actually that i learned about this movie that I didn't know until I was looking at it on IMDb when I was watching it was it's based on a novel. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm doing my research. Learning that now. now. <laughs> it's based on a novel a nineteen eighty one novel who censored Roger Rabbit. So this is from screenrant.com. 
And it says, the movie, surprisingly, is actually not an original idea, but an adaptation of Gary K. Wolfe's 1981 novel, Who Censored Roger Rabbit? The novel couldn't include all the fantastic cartoon characters due to rights issues, but the story is nearly the same. Instead, Wolf uses characters from several famous comic strips um, like Hagar the Horrible. Oh, yeah. Hager Hager the Horrible. horrible. And Dick Tracy. Yeah, we know Dick Tracy. Yeah. It also changes what is a fairly dark ending. So, spoilers for a book that came out in 1981, everyone. But... The book version, Roger Rabbit, like, orchestrates his own assassination. Right. So that's okay. quite different. Also comic yeah. strips. But yeah. um, but I think Dick anyway. Tracy is in – am I making up that I saw Dick Tracy? I might I be making notice. it up. I you did draw quite up. a few comparisons to Dick Tracy throughout, though. So yeah. that's interesting. That, that is interesting. They've kept that, that theme through. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm finding out a few oh, other little things. Yes. I just want to talk about what I've been watching because I have been watching things this time. Oh, yeah. What have you been <laughs> – and how are you? We're getting stuck right into it. How are you, yeah. Kate? <laughs> what have you I'm been good, watching? I'm good, thank you. I finished Our Flag Means Death and I'm coming yes. down on the side of I really enjoyed it. It is – I see what you mean about – it's very hard not to compare it to uh, what we do mm, in the shadows. I know, but it is stylistically and tonally quite different, and it's a different showrunner too. It's it, the comparisons come because of the other creatives involved, but no, I re- I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really really good. Oh, um, good. Two, yeah, two thumbs up. Really good. I watched after Hot Fuzz. I really wanted to watch some Jackie Chan after we had talked a little bit about. Mm-hmm the Jackie Chan influence. And so I watched Police Story, which has, mm. oh, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> but it has this fantastic, like the, the plot is kind of wild, but that's not really why I was watching it. I was watching it for this amazing big fight sequence in a department store in the toy section at the end. Uh-huh, so basically yes. you've got all these excellent uh, fight scenes happening in front of a big display of Barbies. It's great. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Very, you know, pretty good. I started watching on Netflix um, a show that's been on in Japan for many, many years and a bunch of episodes have just been popped up on Netflix, Old Enough. Oh, we haven't watched it yet, but all of my friends are raving about it. Yep. Um, It'll be old news by the time this goes out because it's exploded. We need to sit down and watch it. Maybe that's what we'll do tonight. Yeah, I've heard it. So cute. It's gorgeous. Yeah, so the... Concept is basically you have, and it's a thing in Japanese culture, the first errand. Um, so you've got kids from like under three to sort of five, so toddlers and and small children mm-hmm. being sent out on their first errand. And in a lot of the episodes you can see like the, the cameramen are disguised as like just like regular people and they've got their cameras disguised like it's a tool bag or something so that the kids yeah. aren't super aware, although – in a couple of episodes I've already seen, the kids were like, you know, are aware that this person just sort of standing there and will like interact with them and it's pretty right. it's pretty cute. Um, or you can see the the camera people like scrambling to get into position because the kids have wandered off course and something's mm-hmm. gone wrong. Yeah. But it is extremely cute to see these small children, you know, out there doing everyday chores like 
going down the shops to buy particular yeah. things for food or going to the market. And this is where we were just had a conversation, great. one of my friends and me, about how we need to because I haven't really done that too much with my kids. Like if we've walked down the yeah. shops I've kind of, and I've got the dog, I've sent them in to get, but that's probably it mm. where my work is just a block away from our local shop. So we've started kind of talking about after school when I'm working and they're usually just hanging around. Yeah. We're kind of they're like old letting them. Now. Yeah. They're old enough to walk on down yeah. the shops and buy themselves a pack of chips or something. They And I need to do that with them more. I know I need to do that think. with them more. I know that we were doing that. Like I said to mum yesterday, Oh, I was yeah. doing it at that age and it was much further away and there was an active kidnapper cruising around. <laughs> I don't think we were doing it during the point when we were aware the, about the active kidnapper, but yeah, a couple we became later, aware of it, but I think Yeah. I think But I swear it was like three. 2 months after he didn't get caught and everyone was like, "Well, I guess he's o- it's over." And we just resumed our lives of go- wandering the streets. So, yeah. yeah. We yeah. are in fact talking about the infamous Mr. Cruel. For people, <laughs> he's a pretty. Funny. It's not funny, it's not but he's funny. a pretty famous one. He's an extremely so famous. Um, I see it come up on TikTok, like American murderer. people are like talking about it. And it's kind of like, oh my god, we lived the helicopters hovering over our school at home time to make sure all the kids got home safely. Yeah, it's very like, creepy, crazy. I guess this is why this is why we're like this. However, for whatever value of this, you know, we are. Mm-hmm. So I think watching old enough with your kids is a great way to introduce the whole like, look at these adorable tiny baby yeah. children doing errands. You guys are totally on top of this, mm. and they will be so keen. I hope so. A little bit of independence, but it's would it's be good and form. they're really short episodes. It's like eight ten minutes, like basically. Oh, okay. it's just like, Oh no! So you can smash through like a quite bluey a few. episode. Totally, yeah. So that's really cute and fun. So mostly that is what I have been watching. There's so much oh, to get caught awesome. up on, but I'm getting there. It's good. Oh, good. Yeah. What's wrong with Amy? What's wrong with Amy? What's wrong with Amy this week? What's wrong with Amy? What's wrong with Amy? What's wrong with Amy this week? Well, this week I'm on week, I've just done week four of COVID recovery. I am feeling much better. My cough has, hasn't gone. It's still there, but it's nowhere near as bad and not happening as bad. My little bouts of shortness of breath are still happening, but we can just deal with that what we've been watching we haven't watched a lot actually I don't think well not that I can remember but I know with my eldest daughter Isla we started watching Abbott Elementary that you recommended um which we watched I think the first three episodes the other night it's really quite funny it's very superstore It's very, very like superstore, even the relationship dynamics, like Isla was picking up going off like, oh, she's like Amy that has a partner and he's the new guy that falls in love with her. Like it was, yeah, some really classic. Yeah, tropes uh, of of TV sitcoms. And Janine, that character, she's the showrunner too. She created the show. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, so that's quite good. cool. 
And Gregory, the teacher who comes in and is new, mm-hmm. I didn't know this until recently for other reasons, but he was the young Chris on Everyone Hates Chris, the Chris really? Rock TV I thought series. he looked a bit familiar. Which threw me because I didn't think that was long enough ago for him to be a, a grown-up now. No, yeah, it is. <laughs> but, yeah, he is. That's how time works, Kate. I just yeah. forgot that that was like 15 years ago. Uh, so, other than that, though... I'm wrapped that the new Kardashian show has started. It was a great episode. It was mwah, perfect. It's actually filmed and has, I didn't think this, they were going to be able to do it, but it is filmed and has a different feel to the Keeping Up With The Kardashians show. Oh, okay. It does feel different and they do come across different. They seem not so boxed into characters they actually seem more like actual people so I think it's probably got a higher rating too so they're swearing a bit more they're a bit more kind of how women in their 40s would talk to their siblings it's more like that so um yeah it was really really good and it was it was quite interesting because my husband came and ate his dinner standing in front of the tv not watching it and then asked me lots of questions. And then I saw a TikTok of someone else whose husband did it and would like say they would like to personally thank Travis Barker for getting their husband interested in the Kardashians. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that might be, that might have been why. That could be but, it. Yeah. yeah. But Travis Barker's in it. He's great. I've always loved him. So, yeah, it's really, yeah, it was really, really good. And I was, it's about all that my brain could handle. Do you mean to tell me that you could have taken your hand out of that cuff at any time? No, not at any time. Only when it was funny. <laughs> Anywho, let's get stuck into this 1988 classic, as I said before, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? So we open with some classic 1940s detective music. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah, this has got to re- me not remembering any. Once again, I watch a movie mm. and can't remember anything. I was like, oh, it's got a real 1940s feel. Fast forward five minutes and we find out we're actually in 1947 Hollywood. Yes. So I was like, yes. oh, well, that's why. <laughs> yeah, immediate post-war. And so, th- hey, that music was perfect then. It evoked the 1940s for you without you having to even know that. It oh, worked. exactly. So, yeah, a real noir feel. Yes. I haven't watched this since I was a kid. So, again, I went into it going, ooh, it's more noir than I remember. Thinking. Yeah. And then thinking, well, as a kid, did you know what noir was? No. no. Well, <laughs> I reckon we would have, if we hadn't seen Perry Mason at that point, we, we probably would have seen Perry Mason not long after. I feel like we would have seen it, like we were being babysat sat by grandma and stuff and it, Perry yeah. Mason was always on in the afternoons. So yeah. I think we probably understood it more than you're thinking, Some. I think. Yeah, yeah. quite possibly. That and I'd forgotten got that, that it... detective concept mm. though at least. Yeah, yeah. I had forgotten oh. how great the opening animation is. Mm. That it's I'd really good. that it opened with that animation. I forgot how the how great the quality was, and that it managed to evoke 
the 1940s style of animation mm. while oh, yeah. looking incredibly good. Like it's definitely bringing in all of the improvements Technology of the 80s. from the 80s, yeah. Yeah. And that was the part. So, But still evoking that was great. Yeah. So we've got Baby Herman and Roger Rabbit. And so they're very Looney Tunes kind of. They have a very, bit, very, yeah. very, very big Looney Tunes feel to them, these two characters. Mm-hmm. They're really of like Sylvester and Tweety feel to them. They've got a Tom and Jerry kind of feel to them, the way that they're interacting. Um, My three kids were all watching it with me at this point and were wetting themselves. Like their eyes were wide. They were wetting themselves. And I think that I probably, you and me, we saw this at the movies. We went to Hoyts. It's my first memory of going to Hoyts at High Point. So, and I think it's probably my first full-on memory of going to the movies and remember like, I remember driving there and everything. Like it's quite a vivid memory because I remember at High Point in Melbourne, there's, you go down this really big hill to get to the car park or you used to, I haven't been there in ages. I don't know if that's how it's set up now, but you go down this really big hill to get to the car park down the bottom where the cinema is. And so I remember doing that and I remember it being quite a big deal. So I think it was probably, Mm. well, the first time that our family ventured out there maybe, or it had just been built or I feel like it was a big, maybe it was, it felt big and it's kind of stuck in my memory of being a big deal so because when we were really little it was it was before the multi there were many multiplexes in Melbourne because uh, I my first memory of going to the movies is to going to traveling for what felt like ages um to like small one or two screen places that aren't right. there anymore that, that okay. totally got wiped out by the um mum would if we should ask mum where they were but yeah my first memories are going and seeing these movies in quite cinem- quite small old cinemas mm. so that probably was the first time we went to a, a big, big multiplex so Could no be. wonder it had a, a big impact the yeah. that part of the car park is still there yeah okay anyone good. who's been to high point Knows what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. You yeah. used to be able to park on the hill. The I remember when I was there. a teenager, we used to park oh. on the hill. <laughs> They've changed I don't to think that with the, with the last anymore. Renault. Thank God. Yeah. So yeah, I I feel that we would have been loving this cartoon just as much as oh, my kids. It, 100%. It's so we watched, funny. Yeah. We've, so there's baby it's really Herman. good. Such Roger has parenting. to look after. So the rabbit has to look after this baby. Um, he decides he wants some cookies, I think. Yes, and he sees starts, them on top of a fridge or something. And he starts having and baby to, Herman you know, goes for it, going across the the sink full of water and balancing on dishes yeah. and. Roger ends up in the oven at one point, and it's it's just that chaotic. Um, cartoons where everyone gets hurt and stabbed and crushed and fried, but it's all miraculously o- they're okay. Yeah, nothing. They sticks. see stars and they see things, and it's all fine. Yeah, there's knives flying around. I think there's chili sauce. It's all quite full on. Mm. And then at the end of this, but kind that's as of extreme scene, as Looney Tunes was oh, too. It like is. it was quite intense it's and violent. On. Um, with, with no repercussions. So, I, yeah, we watched heaps of that as kids. So, oh, yeah. And my it. kids have seen it. There's heaps on YouTube that we've watched of, you know, Roadrunner and Coyote and um, things like that. We've we've watched a bit of that. So they understand that. Um, my eldest did ask me why 
there's acne written on everything. everything. And I was like, well, that's just the, the brand that they kind of use in these cartoons yep. for like the dynamite and and things. It was just always a thing with Looney Tunes. Yep. Um, and so that you're not using a brand that's real, probably. Yeah, I imagine probably. that's how that started. Probably, yeah. and now it's its own brand, basically. Yeah, in Although, and then they build that into the plot of this, which I also had forgotten. Yeah, oh, which is so complicated. So yeah. a fridge falls on Roger, and so the scene's gone really well. The cartoon, well, we're watching a cartoon. The cartoon's gone really well. A fridge falls on Roger Rabbit, and he gets little birdies flying around his head. And then we hear, yeah. cut, cut, cut. And a human man walks into the cartoon um, to to kind of say, cut, oh, I told you to read the script properly. You're meant to see stars, not birds. Um, it seems to be a bit of a problem that he's having that he can't see stars at the moment. He can only see birds he's, and love hearts and things. His animations He's glitchy. not manifesting the right animations. And so this is the first time we see... Toons and humans together and we see, okay, they're, the these toons aren't drawings and cartoons. They're their own kind of species, I guess. Of. Well, yeah, they're alive and how they make the cartoons, that there's no animators in this world. It is a live filming of yeah, the toons performing yeah. on a set. And they can't be killed. So and you that's can how they do get made. To them. You can put them in the oven. You can put chilli sauce all over them and throw knives at them and nothing happens to them. They're fine. And that is a plot point that, yeah, that they do not be – they cannot be killed. So mm-hmm. it's all good. But, yeah, so Roger is having some performance problems. He's not producing exactly what the director wants. Um, and we see we're seeing this scene. We realize then through the from the perspective of Eddie Valiant, who's mm. on set looking totally yeah like that classic noir gumshoe. Mm-hmm. I think he's already drinking from a flask or a bottle at this point. Yeah. So they set his character up very quickly. Yes. And so, and I think we hear baby Herman's voice for the first time ah, too, which yes. is an old man. And I've just made a connection. Yesterday when we were having Easter celebrations, my middle child, Heidi, got a breadstick, you know, those long like breadsticks that you Christine-y get. Christine-y type breadsticks, yeah. 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 We're having, you know, and she dipped a little bit platter. at the end in um, tzatziki, but then she was sitting out the back pretending to smoke a cigar and it's just clicked <laughs> to me now because we were like, where would she have seen that before? Who's Baby Herman? <laughs> yeah, literally the day before you showed her. <laughs> yes, of course. I had forgotten and it's such a good gag that he – because she Swaps thought she the, was being hilarious she, too. So I mean, she probably was being hilarious. She was she's, being a, hilarious. she's a naturally funny person. But yes, he's smoking his cigars and he's got this big. He's not voiced by Mel Blanc, the um, you know the voice actor who does most of the Warner Brothers stuff. You uh-huh. know, he does Bugs Bunny and he does. Yep. All, but he he has that kind of sound of that mm. Yosemite Sam type. Yes. Rah, you know, rough guy kind of. Yeah. Rough manly man voice. Yeah. Uh, and he's got the cigars and he's off to, I don't know. There's definitely jokes later. I can't remember if there was there, but about getting drinks and making mm. bets and stuff. Yeah. And it's it's it, it's funny every time. It plays yeah. every time. Yeah. 
But yeah, so we meet, we see what he's really like. Roger really does seem to be as he was on screen, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. a, a daffy. A clumsy and goofy. goof. I'm just yeah. realising that's why those characters got those names. But yeah, a clumsy, sweet goof. Yeah. And Eddie Valiant is like just really mad about being at Maroon Pictures, mm-hmm. the either Warner Brothers or Disney analogue. Um, because they don't use either of those company names in the movie. Well, they, Disney really, does really get a mention. Yeah. Disney gets a mention, but I think that's how they kind of got to use Disney characters by having them mentioned. Yeah. But these, yeah, there's, so there's two big kind of movie studios and this is the maroon ones. Mm. Um, he's been, he's a private detective and he's been called in to investigate Jessica um, Roger Rabbit's wife. Um, yep. Valiant does not want to do it. He's just like, I don't work Toontown anymore. No way. He's like, I'll give you a hundred bucks. Um, so he gets a check for 50 bucks and he'll get the other 50 when he's done the job, which is just kind of, yep. I guess, just following her and taking photos and seeing what she's up to because I think it's kind of just said, Roger's oh, you know, performing Roger's badly. performing badly. We need to know what's going on. There's rumours in the paper that, you know, she's been possibly seeing other men and they, and they suspect the head of the studio suspects that's what's going on and needs to find out to resolve it. We yep. don't get a lot of information about that. No. But we get a lot of information about Valiant at this point that he doesn't work with Toons anymore mm-hmm. uh, so that he's worked with them in the past and he's been out and is a bit disconnected from what's going on with Toons. Um, he's also way, way too excited about getting a drink. He's clearly a drunk. But, mm. yeah, we get a lot of um, his backstory really, really quickly. Yes. And Bob Hoskins in this is so good. And if you look at his career, he's done – quite a variety of things. But before this, he was mostly doing really quite intense dramatic roles. Yeah, yeah. And like playing mobsters in things like The Long Good Friday. Like he, I think it's genius casting because he plays it utterly straight. Oh, he plays it straight, yeah. And it really sells it. And he, but the variety of emotions he's able to play where it feels like we we go through the whole, you know, Mm. gamut of emotions with pretty, him it's a pretty but he good always just sells it seriously yeah it's a pretty good detective movie mm. with cartoons thrown in basically yeah with to- this totally fantastical element like it is yeah. it is a noir with these elements and and a lot and a lot of jokes thrown in there at the at the genre but he always plays mm-hmm. it straight and I think that's why it works. He's incredibly good. But, yeah, it must have at the time seemed like kind of wild casting mm. works so well. Well, yeah, especially – well, I guess they didn't really have anything – to. they could do anything they wanted because it was the first time that we had cartoons and actors yeah. interacting together. Yeah, but it could – think of think of how badly it could have failed. Oh, like it could yeah. have looked so shit – and watching it now, so like decades later, still looks good. The eye lines are fantastic. All of those mm. scenes where when we go to the Ink and Paint Club where Jessica Rabbit is apparently performing and, and Eddie goes in, um, it's not in Toontown. He refuses to go into Toontown, but he goes into the club and we see, you know, the octopus bartender, you know, making, making drinks and handing mm. drinks over. All of those interactions yeah. – 
really sell it. Like yeah. they, they do such a good they job. They did a really good of, job. Of making it there work. There was a couple of times I noticed where he looked a little bit see-through where they'd obviously imposed the cartoon over the top of him and then dulled yep. down um, parts, but he looked a little, you could still see the cartoon yep. through him. So he looked a little bit see-through, but I think that was really yep. only, might've only been the once that I noticed that too. And that's nitpicking yep. basically. Yeah. And I, don't and think I reckon we would have noticed to see that, that back stuff. in the day. Yeah, no. Nah. On film, in a cinema, it would have been very hard to pick that oh, up. Yeah. I was impressed at how good it still looked too. I was a bit worried mm. that it would no, they probably revamped it, great. it a it's bit. Like, nah, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. So as he's leaving the studio, we get glimpses of all sorts of cartoon characters. We see Dumbo. We see oh, that's the right. brooms from the Sorcer- Sorcerer's Apprentice. He's got a whole bunch of them on loan from Disney, yeah. Yeah. Which is so what studios in the 40s did. You would have an actor under contract, but sometimes you would lend them out to other studios. Yeah, yeah. So there's all sorts of – I think Yosemite Sam jumps in at one point yep. there. So we get to see a lot of different – characters which my kids loved they were all going oh that's that yeah. guy they don't know the names of any of these old ones but they were like oh him yeah. him I remember him so he then jumps on a trolley I guess they're called in America or a cart or a, a tram the red cars yeah, I think tram. they're called there so he jumps on a tra- like he goes to get on a tram he hasn't <gasps> got any money he can't get a ticket he flashes his $50 check and he goes, I'm not a bank. Like the, the conductor's like, I'm not a bank. No, you can't get on just with a $50 check. Um, yep. does, does me no good, mate. So he, so he jumps out on, on the, the back, back to steal a ride with some um, adorable little rascal children. Street rats. <laughs> Street rats. I really enjoy one of my favourite parts about this that I had forgotten or that I didn't notice as a kid was when he gets off at the end and thanks the kids for giving him cigarettes. It's like, oh, I know. golden days. The kids are smoking. That's <laughs> terrible. So, yeah, he's incredibly broke. Mm-hmm. And the $100 for this job is a lot of money. Yeah. At the and time. as we find out straight away, it pretty much is going straight on his tab at Dolores's bar. So we go... Mm. We go to this bar that's kind of underneath um, the underground, I guess. So it, the trolleys go over the top because there is that kind of running gag of every time a cart goes over, everything shakes. Yeah. So we go to the, down to the bar and we meet Dolores, who we kind of discover pretty quickly seems to be an ex-lover of his mm. because he wants to borrow her camera. Um, and she's just like, nah. And then he's like, I've got 50 bucks at all, you know, pay to pay off my tab. And she's like, where's the rest? Uh, so we, we find out he's got a big drinking problem. He's got a tab and, at this bar. And she's been lending him money out of the till. Yes. So both. He owes for both. He's not paying for drinks. And she's um, fr- fronting him money because he's so broke. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly there's still feelings there. Mm-hmm. So mm. she does give him this camera um, and tells him that she hasn't gotten the film developed from when they took a holiday together and that's how we kind of discover that there's something a little bit more going on between him and Dolores. Them. 
It's a bar full of misfits too. I, mm-hmm. I really loved this scene. And we get a bit more information about him at the end as he goes off to do his investigation with the borrowed camera. And someone's basically like, you know, what's his problem? And she's you know, just very serious, you know. Basically he hates tunes. Uh, you know, a tune killed his brother, dropped a piano on his head. Mm-hmm. So serious. Like mm-hmm. it is proper noir. Yeah. It's such a tune way to die. It is. She's really good. She's really good. Dolores played by Joanna Cassidy. Mm. I don't remember from anything else, but she was, oh, and the hair and the 40s looks. Yes. Really nice. Spot on. So he goes to the bar and he knocks on the door and a massive cartoon gorilla opens and he wants to uh, know the password, which is Walt sent me. Um, Yeah. And he goes in and it's all humans there basically except we've got the penguin waiters from Mary Poppins. Yes, we've love it. We've got Donald and Daffy Duck playing a piano, doing like some kind of piano war um, battle. Yeah, like a piano, piano ju- battle. A pianos um, performance. So it's all tune staff and performers, all human guests at the Ink and mm-hmm. Paint Club. Yeah. So – yeah, we've had a lot. The Daffy and Donald, it's it's gold. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. Valiant goes up and meets a guy who we find out is, what's his name? Marvin Acme. So he owns Acme Studios. Um, and we he's a bit of a joke star. He's got the buzzy hand when he... Shakes, which I'm pretty sure you had one of those growing yeah, up. Yeah, definitely one had one at one point. Buzzy hands. I think from um, a show thing. bag. Yeah. And he, he owns, yeah, he owns a studio. He owns all of Toontown where the Toons yes. live. And he sprays a whole heap of ink on Valiant for it to just to disappear. So he's like, oh, it's just disappearing ink. Don't freak out kind of thing. Yep. He's a weird yeah, character. Yeah, we have a lot of these weird uh, – he's in this, like, foot – like Yeah, showbag vibes, suit. really, yeah. isn't it? Actually, All yeah, totally. All of their totally. stuff is showbag vibes. It really is. So, yeah, Eddie's yeah, not, not thrilled by this interaction at all, really grumpy. Uh, we see Betty Boop is there cig- selling cigarettes and she knows Eddie and says mm-hmm. hi and, they, and he's really nice to her and they seem to have a – uh, a, a friendship, so you get mm-hmm. a bit more of the well, what. What is his real history with the tunes? Because he ge- genuinely does seem to like her and get along with her. Yeah, um, it's weird. It's kind of cute. It's it's quite a good scene for showing how um, they've managed to make the animation work with a live action too. Mm. It's really good. So Miss Jessica Rabbit makes her entrance now. And does a performance. And I really believe that this song would fit perfectly into the Dick Tracy soundtrack that yes. we used to listen to, the Madonna, Dick Tracy era. Yeah. It was I had that re- on tape. I was like, yeah, you did. And I thought, oh, this yeah. song could slot in perfectly to that. It was just perfect for it. Yeah, it's, I guess same same era, so going for the same thing. Yeah. Um, so Eddie Valiant is enough out of tune knowledge that he thinks Jessica Rabbit also is a rabbit and doesn't mm. realise it's just because she's taken her husband's surname when she got surname, married. Yeah. She, is, she is a human tune and she mm. is extremely 
sexy and Betty Boop has to close his jaw because he's, well, she doesn't have to, but he's gaping at Jessica and Betty Boop closes his jaw. And um, Mr. Acme apparently is always there on nights when Jessica is performing. Mm -hmm. He's up the front gazing at her. Yeah, Eddie's like, she's married to Roger Rabbit and Betty's reaction is, I know, what a lucky girl. So it kind of shows you that Roger's kind of viewed as higher in the tune world, I guess, than Yeah, he's hot. He's a hot tune. Yeah. He's got... um, He's got whatever it takes to be attractive in the tune world. Yeah. So Briar, my youngest at this point, said, how is she married to Roger Rabbit? He's a weirdo and she's perfect. <laughs> oh. So she summed up perfectly in a little box with a bow on top what um, Eddie Valiant is feeling basically too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, I don't know if Briar noticed this, but um, – Bob Hoskins is in the very nice, very beautiful movie Son of the Mask. Oh, is he? Yes, he Ah, apparently plays Odin. Funny that you bring that up, Son of the Mask, because there was a point, (laughs) I think it was when we meet the weasels, one of them is dressed in a yellow suit and she was like, oh, 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 he looks like he's from... Son of the Mask. <laughs> yeah, guys. One of her faves. Something random Ob- happened over the Christmas obsessed. holidays. <laughs> Briar watched Son of the Mask, like put it on, found it on Netflix one day by herself on the TV, put it on, and then continued to watch it every day of the Christmas holidays, basically. <laughs> <laughs> not even the first, ma- like, not even like the no. original good one, Son of the Mask. Like, oh, God. Does she know that it's a sequel? Yeah, I've told her. Okay, cool. I think she's seen the first one at some point. Yeah, she just doesn't care for it as much. No, it's because not as also good as that yellow suit is—it's a very Dick Tracy sort of. Yes, well, that's what I thought. But it is that kind of big, loosely cut, baggy style. Yeah, totally. So of course, of course, she's gone. Well, so and then I said, I think, I think, son of the mask was done after this, and she just went right. Okay, so they saw it on this and thought, oh, that looks good. And that's why they've done it on Son of the Mask. That's, that's her line of comparison has gone. She's understanding <laughs> the concept of referencing previous art. So, yes. I mean, she's it's not probably from not that. right. It's, like you but said, she's it's not Zutsu, wrong. But, yeah, yeah, I don't think they went, hmm, yes, Roger mm. Rabbit, let's do it like Roger Rabbit. They would have just had other references. Yes. <laughs> but anyway. But she understands the whole concept of referencing previous art and that's pretty fantastic. So yeah. uh, I'm really glad that in future generations your children will be able to take over the podcast from us when we <laughs> finally retire from podcasting after like 80 years of successful podcasts. <laughs> Kathleen Turner is the voice of Jessica Rabbit and oh, damn. really? Uncredited. Yeah. So like okay. you know, we know it's her but she doesn't have a, it a credit. And it was just some – there was for the singing part credited someone, yeah. but no one. And I assumed, oh well, maybe that must she must do the voice the whole time. But now you've said that it is it because I did recognise yeah. her voice, yeah. Yeah. but I couldn't place it. Yeah, incredible, incredibly sexy voice. It's so incredibly, interesting when people just an do stuff actress. like that that becomes massive and they're uncredited. Yes, yeah. I wonder why? Why Love do people it. do that? 
I don't know. I mean, maybe Did she think it, was it wasn't going to be that very, maybe? like, wasn't going to be great? So she was like, I'll do it because I need the bucks, but I won't put my name I don't to wanna, it. I don't, in case it's a terrible bomb, I don't need to be involved in it. Maybe. I feel like 88, this was right before Disney's second golden age. This was, mm. and, and even in those movies, like the classics of like The Mermaid and um, Aladdin and, and Lion King, that's really only the start where you started to have like big name actors doing voiceover work. So maybe this is just something that it's like as an established Hollywood star, you don't really want to be too upfront that you're doing this because Mm. it looks like slumming it. And it's not, it's a hundred percent. It's an amazing film that turned out really, really well, but maybe it is a case of you didn't, you didn't do that as voiceover actors and live action actors were very, very separate at the time. Maybe. Anyway, incredible voice, very, very sexy, really sells the whole Jessica Rabbit and that sparkly dress in that scene, just amazing. Oh, beautiful. How they do the sparkles too, I'm still mesmerised when they can make animation look sparkly. Yep, it's It's amazing. It's pretty beautiful. So Marvin Acme, after everything's said and done, he slips out the back and goes to visit Jessica in a, it looks like a motel or is it like back yeah, rooms? Yeah, like is it a the... dressing room or? Yeah, you can't think really tell. Room. Not sure. Possibly. The architecture they is hard to follow. Play patty cake together. Yeah. And Valiant takes photos. And in my head, I was getting a bit worried going, oh, God got the kids sitting here and I'm like well I watched it it can't be too bad but there's there's this whole I'm big plane I'm not convinced that's true I think we definitely watch things that we probably shouldn't oh I, we should yeah 100%. <laughs> so then we cut to not long after Valiant has gone back to Maroon Studios with his photographic evidence of some patty cake playing and they're telling Roger look We've caught her red-handed playing patty cake. And we all, as adults, are thinking it's a euphemism. But yep. then we see the photos. It sounded like it, a euphemism. <laughs> I know. And we all went, oh, they're – okay, we actually see photos really, of them playing patty cake. And really my eldest – this shows you where her head and maturity is at currently. She went, oh, it is patty cake. <laughs> so, <laughs> I okay, think she too was getting a yep. little bit worried. <laughs> That it's like, oh, my God, we're about to see sex photos. Is this going to turn into an animated porno? What are we watching? I Yeah, so it really is patty cake. Roger is devastated because he loves his wife and he's going to yeah. make it right. They give him a shot of alcohol, which Pretty much blows he his reacts lid. poorly to. <laughs> yeah, like in, in a classic cartoon, turns into a screaming steam whistle type mm. Bounces around Situation basically explodes. And then he's like, well, basically now I'm off to save my marriage and throws himself through the window. We get like a beautiful transition to his perfectly cut out shape through the window and the blinds. Mm. Can we just quickly here just talk about Jessica's name? Because it occurred to me while we were watching this going, so we're set in the, in 47. Yeah. I don't know too many Jessica grandmas from when we were in the 80s like except for Jessica Tandy yeah but that's about it there's not many Jessica's so I did I did actually do some research 
Oh. And found it. Because I was like, when was did Jessica's name first pop into existence? You'll be able to pick this. Who do you reckon made yep. up the name Jessica? So it's an invented name. Yeah. Like it's not from a, a, like a, a country or a history. No. It's like like Wendy. It's been invented. Yeah. Who do you think made it up? I'll give you Lewis a Lewis Carroll? No. Melissa they, was also Wendy. made up by this person. Was it Disney? No. Will Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yeah, the great name maker upper. <laughs> and word maker upper, or at least word documenter. Okay. This is yes. I'm gonna sidetrack just two things very quickly after this, but go tell us all about Jessica. So and then I was like, okay, so it was a, so I was like, okay, so it was around, you know, in that mm. four hundred years prior because Will Shakespeare invented the name. But then I Googled when was it it's at its peak popularity? And yes. Jessica's peak popularity was 1987. So literally yep. the, it was the most popular name the year that they were animating and creating this movie. So I just still found it interesting that like they, they went for other 40s names like Marvin, Roger, Eddie, um, Dolores, but then chose for the bombshell to be Jessica. But then in saying that too, we've just found out it was a book. Was Jessica Rabbit in the book in 81? Yeah, I believe so. Well, okay, there you go. So, I mean, Jessica was, as still, a name was on the I rise. I still feel it's, it's kind of odd. It's an odd choice. The same as when we filmed, um, when they filmed, I know what you did last summer, and they had old-fashioned names for the teenagers. Yeah. Uh, but but again, the, from a book that was probably yeah. written at an appropriate time. Interesting. Yeah. You do get that a bit. I mean, I know so many Jesses and Jessies and Jessicas because this is exactly the the peak of when they were all being born. Yeah. Sort of that late yeah. 70s, 80s. It was a huge name. But sometimes names will surprise you in when they can be popular or when they're from. Because, yeah, I wouldn't have picked those as Elizabethan era names, mm. but – Makes sense. There's, I'm going to read you a thing that I'd learned a little a little while ago, but the name Tiffany mm-hmm. is heaps older than you think it is because Tiffany feels also like a very 80s name. 90s name, yeah. 90s name. But Tiffany actually was like in use hundreds of years ago in England. Wow. Yeah. There and there's go. like evidence, but also this thing that was on the internet a little bit um, ago, and this is just a, a, a random sort of Reddit-esque fact, but there's a recording in the UK and I think the North, but in 1379 of a baby girl who's, and I'm not even joking, it's spelled a bit weird, but this baby girl's name is Diet Coke. What? Yeah. Diet Coke. It's oh the kind God. of fact that you learn and you're like, that has to be fake. That is the fakest thing I've ever heard. But no, Diet Coke. And it's just interesting that hundreds of years later, that we had Coke and then we had Diet Trend years after that. And then yeah. those two words got pushed together and it was this kid's name from hundreds yeah. of years ago. <laughs> hundreds of years ago. But yeah, Tiffany wow. is like classically, you know, 
but it's um, there's a Greek name that it's a shortening of. Yeah, and it was, I can imagine it was being used sort of in that era yeah. a long time ago. I think Tiffany was a much more common name than Diet Coke. But mm. I don't know of, any other Diet Cokes. But anyway, no. Which, is Coke like their surn like was surnames? Coke is the then? surname, and they Coke think it might have been a version or a misspelling From of cocaine. Cook. Okay, <laughs> probably not cocaine. Probably Cook. Because okay. also you go back into old records and name spellings and word spellings uh, were not super fixed for yeah. a really long time or yeah. people just weren't fully literate. And, and that's like, why we've got random le- silent letters in things because when they changed the spelling to be more phonetic, they kept the random letters in because that made it was easier for people to have the connection of how it used to be spelt. Yep, I mean you're tipping off one of my special interests right now. Ah. But some of that is some of that is because some of the spellings were becoming fixed before the pronunci- the modern pronunciations became yeah. fixed. That okay. we started to regulate in English how words were spelled, but then later our like accents changed. Old. Like what's ye? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, that's separate. That is actually never been pronounced as ye. We used to have a different uh-huh. letter that that stood that's for the sound. Right. The Th- TH that's right. sound. And so that's always been the, the that's or the. Right. But in printing and in printing like mostly, it was a weird Y to represent. Like we had two different letters in the English language that got phased out mm. because they weren't in Dutch. And the Dutch were producing all oh. of the type machines that came over to England and started uh, printing presses when printing presses were uh, imported uh-huh. into the UK. It wasn't the UK then. When it, Printing presses were imported into England. They just didn't have those letters. I think um, Thorn and I've forgotten the name of the other letter. And so they just got phased out because it's just like we can't print them. And so for a while they were using that weird Y Mm, to stand in for the – yeah, to stand in for the – I can't remember if it was Thorn, but there were two letters that were quite similar to a F sound, a a, a T and a F, and we just lost the letters for them. And then we just put TH together to make that noise. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. It's mm. it's one of the reasons English is kind of a, a bit of a shit. It's crazy. Because then we have a lot of different sounds that are represented by the same letters. Anyway, it's not mm-hmm. a linguistics podcast, guys. Can be if anyone like really badly wants it to be. <laughs> I'm up for it. We'll do a poll and see. <laughs> so we get a typical 1940s detective walk into his office scene now. He's yep. got his uh, – he's received his paycheck and he's left and he's gone home. He opens his door. It is really sepia, almost black and white tones here too to kind of bring us yeah. right into that feel where his door swings open. He takes a swig of his drink and there's, you know, stuff everywhere. We yeah, see it's him a, it's a bit point. of a shambles. Yeah, and he's going. He's looking through photos um, of him and Dolores on the holiday, which he's obviously had to get developed because well, yeah, they, were they were on the, the same, same film as um, the patty cake photos. And we get a lovely little montage which brings everything together. We see photos of his brother. We kind of go back through um, photos that are framed as well and we see the history mm. of them growing up that they were kind of clowns together. I think their dad looked like they grew up on the, in the circus 
and their dad was yeah. a clown. Um, and then they joined the police force and were kind of being clowns in the, the graduating police photo. Force. And then they've gone into business. So they've gone to the police force together and then they've gone into business together um, be, being detectives, PIs together. Yep. And then we find out, like, he's obviously very upset that his brother has died from this terrible yep. piano accident. So he was murdered. Well, he was murdered. He was murdered. He was it wasn't murdered. an accident. Yeah. An accident so, suggests that no one is at fault, as we learned right. from Hot Fuzz. <laughs> that's right. And there's so, also and they're in business book together, of clippings. And so we understand what's kind of going yeah. on with him in this montage. Yeah. It was done really, really well. Incredibly well. There's like, yeah, the book of uh, news clippings, like they rescued um, Huey, Dewey and Louie from kidnappers, <laughs> things like that. Some of the, yeah, oh, so it's just like he's working in frantically t- trying town. to, yeah, he's got a, they've got a history of tunes. I think, um, they enjoy I think working. that was what Betty Boop said, but yeah, he's yeah, they they enjoy known working for working like, with tunes. And I think we, I don't think we find out here, but we find out a little bit later that Valiant and Valiant Detectives is who Toons go to when they need help. So yep, they, they were the kind of detectives for Toons. Bob Hoskins think- helps us on this montage. He just goes on this amazing face journey of delight, <laughs> looking back at the holiday with Dolores and then and sadness, his brother was there seeing the photos well. with his brother. Well, the three yeah. of them seem to have been thick as thieves and clearly, yeah. uh, I don't know, we, we, this is where we get the I most information about rubble. that. That's weird, but possible. <laughs> I mean, hey, this is this is a movie where tunes are real and alive, so yeah. it's entirely plausible. But yeah, he goes on this beautiful face journey of delight and sadness and grief and incredible dramatic actor, such good casting. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. So the next and, day comes yeah. and a detective from the LA police force arrives at Eddie's apartment and tells him that Marvin Acme is dead and they think Roger Rabbit did it and he dropped a safe on his head and then kind of cracks a joke of like such a typical tune way to, to do a murder, mm-hmm. um, which Eddie does not appreciate at all. <laughs> no. Uh, he, wants, uh, he wants Eddie to come down and kind of help him out because, yeah. you know, you're the one that gave um, Roger Rabbit these photos. So that's where he's got the motive. So come on down with us and help us out. Yep. You're involved now, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. So they head on down to the Acme warehouse and the police and the detectives seem to be more interested in all the cool um, show bag novelty items. <laughs> The weird acne items like the portable hole that you can just throw yeah. up against a wall and then th- that's a hole. Which is, the uh, one, think- which is the one that earlier on in the movie was the one that I told the girls about when I was describing the things that acne make for car- yep. in cartoons was like the hole that you can put your hand in and like yep. make a roadrunner disappear down a hole. Yep. All of that kind of – yeah, all of those things that exist in cartoons because you can do things – with physics that you can't do in real life. Yeah. It's really great to get to see some of these products and, and really like build out the world. Yes. Um, one of the cops spots Eddie and was like, didn't you used to be Eddie Valiant? Which is a sick burn. <laughs> sick burn. They find Roger Rabbit's glove fibres on the body. 
uh, which is interesting that they would know on the road. That that's his. Oh yeah, I mean that's like that's they didn't have lazy. proper forensics back then anyway. But yeah, yeah. there's like a, they've matched the paint to the rope too, so they're like, oh yeah, it's definitely Roger. Okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> when this is where um, Judge Doom and his uh, weasels roll up and we get our first mm. look at this weird hybrid human cartoon looking creature. Well, I think oh, yeah, this spo- was the first. Spoiler, guys. Well, this was the first time, and I couldn't really remember what was going to st- happen later on, but this was the first yep. time I kind of went, oh, he looks a little bit cartoony. I always, yeah. as a kid, thought that they just put prosthetics and things on him to make him look scary. But I noticed but actually, this time the way yeah. they've done his makeup, you can see lines and like drawing lines in his makeup yeah. and his teeth look more drawn on his mouth, like drawn in after the fact than actual prosthetics. So yes. I don't know whether they no. are actual yeah. prosthetics or whether they were drawn in. I'm not sure. I think because I was watching his teeth so closely, not just because of our fascination with Hollywood teeth, mm. um, but I, one of the things I noticed this time was that, yeah, if you're watching his teeth, it really looks more like a plate where they've drawn the line between the teeth in in the way yes. that you do in a drawing rather than actual prosthetic teeth or fake teeth where they are individual actual yes. pieces of of a, of a whole I hadn't I just hadn't picked up on any of this watching as a kid how mm. much they really are suggesting with all of his character design and makeup and this prosthetics that he is and a tune. And his glasses it's, and stuff. His yeah. weird glasses and all of that. Like they really build it in there. All of the clues are there if you can, if yeah. you know to look and for it. And as a kid, no. It's really clever. <laughs> and no, it was only no. interesting because I just said it to the girls. Like I was sitting there I said, oh, they've kind of made him look like a tune. And that's when mm. it kind of like clicked in my head. Like, oh, maybe they did that on purpose. <laughs> but yeah, didn't didn't pick that up again until watching it now as an adult and realizing oh, the production design on this is absolutely incredible. Mm. Good on mm. them. Like that's amazing work. Yeah. So Judge Doom then brings out his latest invention called the dip, which is a concoction of like <gasps> turpentine and acetone and yeah. something else that kind of basically yeah. it's what you like you use terps to dissolve paint, don't you? And yeah. acetone mm. gets rid of nail polish. So it's like this really strong oh, kind yeah. of thing that's gonna like disintegrate um pigment and things basically. So yeah. it just basically disintegrates the painting, the drawings, things. So it's called dip. And he does a little demonstration for us with the cutest squeaky acne shoes going around, which this part always really upset me because the squeaky shoes are so cute. And, of course, they've done that Mm -hmm. on purpose to evoke Mm -hmm. emotion from you and feeling from you and it has really worked because they make this really sweet little shoe that's got a little face and is squeaking and he picks it up and he puts it in the dip and this point is when we lost two of our children to when we're not watching this and went away (laughs) understand I'm still I remember being really upset and horrified as a kid like viscerally and I 
I'm, I was still really, really upset. I genuinely found that quite hard to watch. It's really effective, that mm. shoe and its eyes, the way it's animated. I it's know. genuinely upsetting. Yeah. It's the first yeah. point in watching it as an adult where I thought, I'm not 100% certain that this was ever actually meant for kids. I know. And I think at and this it's point rated too, appropriately, but we've I don't know if it's to mention that earlier on when he first arrives at Dolores's bar, there's all signs going up that the red carts are being sold to a company called Cloverleaf. Yeah. Um, Which is and a kind so of um, road intersection really, in yeah, highways. You're kind of not paying too much attention to yeah. that, but then it, it gets brought up again shortly so I thought we better mention mm-hmm. that that has already happened but this is the point of the storyline too and then you've said the, you kind of realize well this may not be um, as much for kids as you kind of felt yeah and it's at this point that things start to get the storyline for me starts to get really complicated because we yeah. know we know as in the name of the the movie is who framed Roger Rabbit so we know that he hasn't done it yeah we know he's been framed and so any detective show or movie is going to lay out different scenarios of what may have happened but i feel yep. this just got gets really complicated. Mm. It is. It is complicated. And I don't because fully then know it becomes if I about... understand it even now. <laughs> <laughs> so, the yes, bringing up the red cars, perfect timing because, yeah, we see a sign saying it's been sold to a company and that's very much background stuff like, uh, like when we were watching Hot Fuzz and they were like, oh, there's the village of the year. It's information yeah. that you're given that you don't know is important until much yeah. later. Um, yeah. We see... Well, the Acme murder uh, becomes very quickly about his will and the fact that he's mm. always promised the Toons that he will will them Toontown so they will always have ownership of, of their home. Yeah. But no one can find a will mm. and no one's got proof that he actually ever wrote a will. So, and they do not explain this mm. very well at all. They but don't basically explain it very like, well. Well, now that he's dead there's like a time limit of only several days before it's just, it's now property of the state and it will just be sold off. Yeah. Now Things I know that when you 40s. die in different jurisdictions <laughs> that yeah, um, the state get involved, like that still happens in Australia now, but I don't think it rolls that fast, but look, whatever, it's a movie and it needs yeah. to, um, it needs to do what it needs to do. Yeah. But yeah, it starts to become a really complicated plot because I was watching it and I remember watching because, oh yeah, early on um, in the bar, one guy is like blackout drunk and Val- Valiant asks what's wrong and he's just been fired from the um, the tram yeah. company because they got yeah. bought out. Uh, I, and I was like, oh, I forgot that actually a huge subplot in this is privatisation and, yeah, and road building versus public transport. We didn't really no. know. We I think that stuff was probably well think... over our heads and we just yeah. knew that someone had died and people were blaming Roger Rabbit and in the end we found out who the real baddie was. But I don't think we understood no. all the crossroads and things that were happening. All of the so um, no one knows the, where the Roger really is. complex adult plot. Yeah, exactly. No one knows where Roger Rabbit is at this point, and Eddie Valiant just goes home basically. And when he's on his way home, he's at his door, and Herman the baby is there waiting for him in his carriage with what 
the woman what I would cosplay in. Her outfit oh, was yes. amazing. Her hat, mm. her it was just perfect 1940s short shorts. High, really high waisted short shorts. Yeah, a hat that just seems to be like a saucer, like a plate mm-hmm. on your head, and made of yep. wicker. Um, she looked great, and I was like, "Ooh, I'd love that." And this is when we get the great line from <laughs> Baby Herman, where in reference to <laughs> his nanny, I guess that he's got, he says, "I've got a fifty-year-old's lust and a three-year-old dinky." Oh, and at baby that point, <laughs> Sean had come in and started watching with us, and Sean was kicking me like, "Write that down, write that down." <laughs> <laughs> I baby have forgotten Herman. about Baby Herman completely. So every baby moment Herman he showed up was a delight. It was so good. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he um, he's talking about that. He sent the, the the woman off to get him a racing form, yeah. and he wants to hire Eddie. To, yeah. he's like, no, I've worked with Roger. He's my friend. I know he didn't do this. I don't think he's got it in him. Um, and which so he was wants interesting to hire because Eddie. in the first kind of scene, you think that Baby Herman doesn't get along with Roger Rabbit, yeah, because of the way he's behaving of like, oh, Roger's stuffed it up or. Um, so it's yeah. interesting that he comes back and goes, no, no, he's my friend. I've worked with him for so many years. He would not do this. Uh, and Eddie doesn't want to take the job. He's like, no, I don't. I'm sick of tunes. This whole thing's been yeah. a disaster. I don't care. But then when he goes inside and he's, I don't know, bending over to take his shoes, he's like basically, you know, undressing and winding up for the day. And I love this. as with his as hairy, the, hairy back. Oh, he's a hairy, hairy, a hairy, hairy man. Sort of block of a man. I know you don't like see, he's a you short don't see that in movies anymore, do you? That's exactly hair. what I thought. You do not see that much body hair, nah. and I think that's a real shame that we've gotten so far from just what normal bodies look like. Uh-huh. Some yeah. men are dense little hairy blocks of men. That's right. They just are, and it's fine. Some women are also hairy little dense blocks of women. <laughs> um, right. That might be say, the oh, name man. of my autobiography. Um, so Eddie bends over on the desk and there's an empty glass on his desk because, mm. of course, there is. He's an alcoholic. But it is over a photo from the patty cake night um, doing a lovely small magnification of the jacket pocket of Acme showing he has very conveniently last will and testament poking mm-hmm. out of his extremely loud jacket. Because you just jacket. take that when you're you're going to go and patty cake a scarlet. When you, I'm, when you, I'm you, writing you have my will. Your, wall, <laughs> your will in your pocket. And I will fold it so that you can see exactly what's poking out of my pocket <laughs> in all exciting moments just in case. But it's beautiful because we get to see Eddie as the actual detective, you know, not just doing mm. kind of sleazy work but actually noticing this and deciding, oh, no, they're mm-hmm. right. Acme does have a will. It has gone missing. Now I actually do want to solve this case. Mm-hmm. He then pulls his Murphy bed down to go and have a nap. Love a Murphy bed. You just don't see those anymore. No. Um, and that's when we discover that uh, no one knows where Roger is. Roger is in Eddie's house. Yeah. He's been hiding office. out there. He's hiding out there. Uh-huh. He's in Valiant the bed. And Valiant is the place to go when tunes are in trouble. So yeah. he's he's just gone to hang out at Eddie's house. 
Valiant, Eddie is a bit concerned about like, but who knows you're here? And he's like, no one knows I'm here. I haven't told anyone I'm here. I did have to ask the newsstand guy if he knew where you lived and he said no. So I asked the guy shining shoes if he knew where you live and he said no. And I asked the butcher if he knew where you lived and he said no. And then I asked the guy at the bottle and he knew where you lived. He knew. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... Basically, everyone knows that Roger is looking for Eddie. <laughs> yep. And he's I probably love at his house. I love that part because in shows and movies where you're creating something fictional and you're saying it's really good, like if you, you know, you create this and you say Roger Rabbit is this great uh, comic actor who's, you know, sort of losing it a bit, but he's very mm. funny. You then actually have to genuinely write material Show for him that to he's be funny. funny. Yeah, he exactly. genuinely has to be that funny, and he is. It delivers. Yes, <laughs> there's some great things, isn't there, coming up? So he this asked, scene "Did you do is it?" Is one of the main things I did remember. Yeah, like exactly. from from not having watched it for thirty years. Me I remember this really well. Um, it says like, "Did you do it?" No, no, I didn't do it. Were you not mad? You know, you've got the you've got the motive, like. It looks like you've done it. He's like, no, I was too busy writing a love letter. So he just basically, how he was going to win his wife back is to tell her how much he loves her. So. um, Pulls out this lipstick letter that he's found this (laughs) blank piece of paper and written, you know, dear Jessica, how do I love thee Um, in lipstick on it. I mean, at this point, I'm starting to see why he is considered such a toon catch. Mm. He's a sweetheart Mm. and he is funny. Uh, So Eddie doesn't want to do it. So, of course, to kind of make him do it, Roger handcuffs himself to Eddie and Eddie's cracked it because he's like, I don't have keys to these cuffs. Why you would have handcuffs that you don't have keys to? Who knows? But he's like, "We're, we're stuck together now. And as that happens, a whole bunch of the weasels break down the door, basically. Mm-hmm. They, they shoot they the shoot lock. They shoot the handle off. Yeah. This, this part is the part that I remember thinking was hilarious when I was little. And it still Me too. is. So it still is. The weasels break in and what's happening is Eddie's just doing the dishes. He's actually washing his socks, which he calls his lingerie. <laughs> which is also <laughs> hilarious. It's like and Eddie Valiant does have a sense of humour. Good for yeah. him. Yeah. So he basically, Roger's head is in the dirty water. He's just yep. he's just got him under there. Submerged. And he's just going about his business while the weasels are pulling apart the house um, and can't find him. Mm-hmm. Eddie's, yeah, sassing them and kind of borderline refusing to answer questions. Uh, Roger will pop up and get gasped for breath. Um, and it, and again, like they sell it perfectly. The water splashes, all of the action happening to make the uh, animation interact mm-hmm. with the live action. It's fucking gold mm. and it just works and you believe it and it's funny. Roger is so bad at being a fugitive. He's just absolutely the worst. But they do get rid of the weasels. Yep, they get rid of them. And so the next thing that has to happen is they've got to go and get these handcuffs off. So he shoves a coat on, um, shoves Roger in the coat and heads to the bar 
to get and it some looks help like he's got a cat in his <laughs> in his trench coat because that's what it looks like if you're trying to carry a cat around and they don't want to <laughs> yeah. be it. But yeah, so they head for Dolores. This is my cosplay choice. Dolores's beautiful navy dress mm. with these uh, striking sort of pink, almost um, cerise uh, accents and a beautiful, beautiful. hat. That's that's yeah. what I would cosplay as. She, she's dressed gorgeous the whole time, isn't she? Yep. So take, Dolores takes him out the back and is a bit like, you're harbouring a fugitive and she's not too impressed and she's like, oh, if people come around here, you know, we're in trouble enough as it is with the selling of the cart and – like we're hitting depression times basically they're they're kind of yeah it's a bit of a rough time yeah so he starts sawing the cuff off and this is a great (laughs) scene he's sawing he's got a little box he's got his hand up there eddie and he's sawing the handcuff off and the box that he's leaning on is moving quite a lot which makes it really hard to to saw so Roger decides he'll help um, and he slips out of his handcuff and holds the box and asks, is this better? To which they go, yep, that's great, thanks, and then looks up and realises that the whole time Roger is a toon and can slip out of the handcuffs. And he's just like, why could you do that the whole time? He goes, well... No, just at the right time, you know. O- only, only when it was funny. Yeah, that that was when and it was I, funny. And I fully believe that that's actually the rules of physics in in two towns. Literally, <laughs> he couldn't have gotten out of it until it was, it was until it was a funny. punchline. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Love it. I'm sure that's how it works. So at this point, they kind of think that maroon the head of the maroon studios is the one that killed acme so he could control toontown so that's their running theory currently mm-hmm. makes sense yeah i can't remember my notes are maroon a bit sketchy at this point but jessica passes Patty on Kate. the information yeah. yeah maroon wanted to blackmail acme and the patty cake scene was a setup she was never cheating yeah. on roger maroon had told her that part of it that basically he was holding Roger's career hostage. If she didn't help him set up Maroon, so, so, sorry, set up, set up Acme, Acme with blackmail material, the Roger would never work again. Yeah. She loves her husband and only wanted to make sure that his career wasn't ruined. So yeah. Maroon is now the prime suspect. That, we find that information out later on, I think. I think yeah. we don't find that out yet. I think they're just working off that they think that that was a setup. Yeah. Um, Dolores then kind of says that Cloverleaf wants to buy Toontown and mm. they've all, you know, they've already bought out the trams. And so she feels that Cloverleaf has more to do with it than anything. She, and this is when I was just like, this is getting confusing, guys. Yeah. Too she many should theories. be actually a detective because that's a great Maybe theory. Maybe she was. It's very complicated. Maybe she was. Maybe she does she seem was to have been involved yeah. in the agency. And then when and the agency's, when he died, when his brother died, yeah. she's just gone to work at the bar, possibly. So she goes down to like the council office to check the probate records. Again, this is extremely complicated stuff for both children and non-lawyer adults. So anyway, but Uh she's going off to find out what's happening with the sale of Toontown to try and work out who else might have a motive. Mm. 
In the meantime, Roger Rabbit is entertaining everyone in the bar. He is smashing plates over his head, having a lovely time. Judge Doom walks in. Um, Oh, okay. Actually, I think Roger Rabbit's entertaining everyone at the bar, smashing plates over his head. They get back from doing their probate work that they were doing. Well, that's right. Dolores is about to, oh yeah, Dolores and they comes have back to go from probate. back into the back room because they're like, no, no, yeah. you can't be out here. Anyone could show up at any time. They go back into the back room and that's when Judge Doom walks in and Dolores is setting an alarm off in the back saying yep. you need to settle down out hide. there and yep. hide because the evil guy has entered the building. That's right. It was an old speakeasy from the Prohibition era. Yes. I don't know when Prohibition ended. I don't either. We didn't have it it in Australia. After the war, yeah, I don't know. So Doom's in there, and he's just like, "Come on, I'll give you a five thousand dollar reward for you to tell me where this rabbit is." And Roger's in the back, going, "Those those guys out there, I made them laugh. They're not gonna, um, you know, rat me out. They won't sell me out." They won't sell me out. No, I made them Oh, the screeching as he's oh, writing it on the chalkboard. Like the painful. judge is the worst. Yeah, painful. And they don't rat him out. One seems like he's going to and then he just cracks a joke about. He just makes a joke about the movie Harvey. Yeah. Which is about a man who can see an imaginary rabbit. So it's a yeah. good joke. Yeah. The bit. Where Judge Doom then like picks up the record that Roger had been singing along to and like brings it right up to his face to to huff it is so creepy. It's a mm. like it's a very good creepy performance. Mm. And looking through the little peepholes uh, in the the you know the speakeasy back room, I had not noticed this before. But Eddie Valiant says like, "Who's Tunia about the judge?" Ah. who's Tunia? Like specifically, he's so over the top. He's like a tune. Yes. And again, yes. it was like, oh, it's all yeah, there. It's all there for us to see. So yeah. he feels, Judge Doom feels like he's going to like smoke him out, basically, Roger Rabbit. Yeah. And does it by doing the classic dun, 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 dun. Because he's like, no tune can resist finishing that off. So he does it quite a few times and we get to see Roger in the back is in agony trying to hold it together to not complete the tapping combination. Like he is not coping at all and eventually can't cope and comes out and finishes the the tapping combination. Um, And then he's basically arrested by Judge Doom basically straight away. And he's just like, Doom's just like, bring me my dip. He's just, he's like (gasps) Judge Judy and Executioner. Executioner, (laughs) I can't speak. Judge Judy and Executioner all in one. Like just. He is. He is. This is a great movie to do after Hot Fuzz, isn't it? It really was perfect. So, yeah, because there's no just, like, he's just like, I'm, I'm just, that's it. I we am think the law. you did it. We don't really have evidence, really, but. Doesn't need it. We're going to dip you. Yeah. Eddie has a great idea because all of his great ideas seem to involve alcohol. We've seen what happens to Roger when he has a drink. Eddie asks Dolores to pour a double and she's just like, now? And he's like, just do it. And then 
tricks Roger into, gets the judge to agree that he should get a last request and have a mm. drink, tricks Roger into Agreeing understanding that he should, he does actually Roger want to drink as his last. On. Roger's like, He's I like, no, don't want you. a drink. <laughs> no. no and you. tricks him into drinking it. And we know what happens when Roger has a drink. Mm. He be- literally bounces off the walls and that's how they get away and escape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They so go Eddie out. and Roger are on the run. Yeah, and they run outside and jump into, um, I think it's like Judge Doom's, like, cronies. Yeah, car. that's right. They get into his car. I think it's the car that the uh, weasels, weasels. Are, have been driving. And then um, Roger sort of gets into the back and can hear they can hear someone talking, and it's a tune. And Roger's like, "Nope, I've found, I've found a, a vehicle yeah. for us. I found us a ride." He's like Benny, is Pretty that sure you? Found us a ride. <laughs> yep. And it's the taxi cab. It's like the yes. Toon taxi. In this little part while they're travelling around, um, Eddie kind of tells Roger Rabbit like how his brother died and that they don't know who did it. And then he just knows that it was a toon and he had piercing red eyes when he did it and was like a really evil Toon, and since then he hasn't been in Toon Town. He can't go in there. He does. That's why he doesn't want to work with Toons. Um, yeah, Roger's quite sympathetic towards this too, and can kind of understand yep. why. So we find out too that Cloverleaf have bought Maroon Studios at this point mm. as well. So I think Eddie's gone to Maroon Studios. No, they're no? hiding out in the cinema and it's a newsreel. Oh, so they're yes. hiding out in the cinema because they're on the run and there's a newsreel that shows that okay, because this is what happened before TV. Mm. You're getting your news from radio and newspapers primarily, but um, in between movies and just the whole setup of how movies would run was different. But there would be newsreels where you would get important news mm. and – I don't know if newsreels were produced this quickly because this is clearly same-day news. But anyway, RK Maroon has sold to this mysterious company, Cloverleaf. Mm. So then they head off to the studio to do investigations. Yeah, and to meet with Maroon. So yeah, to find Eddie out wants what to is go up and talk to him and tells Roger to keep watch and to like yep. beep twice or something to let him know if someone's coming. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. It'll be fine. But he gets knocked out by a frying pan. um, Immediately, like within seconds. He is the worst lookout of all time. (laughs) Valiant meets with Maroon and says, saying that he... Cloverleaf wanted Acme and Maroon Studios. They wanted both of them. I understand. You don't my, understand um, your notes. notes no. All I've got for this bit is Cloverleaf wanted both Acme and Maroon. Have I written any of the other details? No, I have not. I think because I, I was already okay, so finding going, it so complicated. I'm I know, like, yep, so okay, cool. That's the that's the crux of it. So sure. Eddie goes up there saying to Maroon, "I've got the will. I've got that's right. His will." Um, Acme's you can't will. just buy Toontown. And I think he, there's a bit of confusion because he's like, I'm, that's not what's happening. I think he's about to tell Cloverleaf wanted to buy Maroon and Acne. So Maroon was getting blackmail 
on Acme and so they yeah. get, it's really com- – I don't really understand yeah. what's happening. But anyway, yeah. some, as this is being told and Eddie's getting the information, a gun comes around from behind the curtains and shoots Maroon Through the Venetians, before he can Very distinctive really long barrel. So he gets shot. Maroon is shot in, in the back. It's pretty nasty. Eddie runs over to the window but the gun is nowhere to be seen. He does see Jessica Rabbit, what appears to be fleeing the scene. She's running off down a, an alleyway. So he decides Eddie, he's got to yeah. get go to, go to Toontown and, you know, really find out what the hell's going on. So this is yeah. a great scene where he gets to the tunnel, the Toontown tunnel, and he gets out, he swaps his gun and gets out his Toontown gun with the really cute Which- bullets. <laughs> It's so – I'd forgotten the gun and I'd forgotten that like, there's a little plaque where he'd been given this gun by Yosemite Sam. Yeah. I think for, for some kind of a, you know, services rendered as a, as a detective and he's got <laughs> all of those little, like, old Western characters who are the, mm-hmm. the Toon Bullets mm-hmm. asking them if they're up for – oh, it's, it's so cute. For a gun. <laughs> and he – um, so they head in down the tunnel into Toontown. He finds a – apartment building it's full on in there so it's it's nighttime when he goes into toontown and then it's bright and sunny and there's songs going like it's a full-on it's a full-on place he finds an apartment and he thinks he's seeing jessica and he goes up there but it's not really jessica it's like this weird cow dressed as jessica um or wearing the same outfit as jessica and then starts chasing him he Very falls weird. out a window. Um, he then runs into Jessica, I think, and then she, you know, tells him that what's her take of what's been going on and that yeah. she, she's she got Roger now. She knocked him out for his own good. Um, she's trying to save him. She's yeah. trying to save him because she loves him and that Acme had confided in Jessica that Dune – Judge Doom wanted to take over Toontown. She has the will, but um, it's just a blank piece of paper. Doom wants the will and then we're at the Acne Warehouse is what I've written. So I've missed some stuff. (laughs) My notes are head into tunnel and Toontown. Doom! Exclamation mark. Out of Toontown. Great notes, Kate. And then dib on the road. Which I'm looking at going, the fuck is on the road? And then later, I've re- it's, it's hit me, dip on the road. Uh, so that's right. They're escaping in the cab from Toontown and dip gets spread all over the road. Yes. And so it burns the tyres of the Toon cab. Oh. Uh, but once again, let's just hail my incredibly good notes. Doom. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I got for you guys. And dib. Dib on the road. So that's right. So the look, the cab is okay. He's a bit singed, yeah. but he gets off the dip. And then they're on foot or something. Anyway, one of the weasels is frisking and is like not even borderline sexually assaulting Jessica Rabbit, shoves his hand right into her cleavage and comes out with a bear trap. And Eddie Valiant Good. says, nice booby trap. trap. Yes. That's right. So Enjoy we end that. up back in the acne um, – Warehouse, which actually yep. just backs on to Toontown, we we discover yes. later. So it's which right makes on sense the if he owned both properties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
they tie up Roger and Jessica and are just kind of stringing them up basically. And Doom's there and he's got oh like a a water cannon that is just full of dip and is just going to spray them with dip basically. As soon as it's a minute past midnight, he's going to own Toontown Mm -hmm. and it's going to roll in and there's enough dip in it to destroy Toontown completely because he wants it for the real estate. Doom's yes. weakness is monologuing. He's telling us the whole evil plan before he yes. does it, which we always know is a terrible, terrible idea. He's going to build a freeway from LA to Pasadena. And Eddie Valiant's like, that's a crazy, stupid idea. Why do you need to do that? What the hell's a freeway? <laughs> LA has the best public transport in the country. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Oh, Eddie... It's horrible. The dip so we basically also find out that Doom is Cloverleaf. He is yeah. one and the same. He's the only shareholder of this mysterious company. Yeah, we're going to build the freeway and freeway. replace Toontown with gas stations and takeaway stores and McDonald's, billboards basically. as far as the eye can see. Sounds yeah. like LA. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so he can't help monologuing. So we find his whole, his whole plan. He's gonna just drench the place with dip, and and build. Then, then he a just disappears for a few minutes. It seems because Eddie then starts bringing out his clowning pass and puts on a show and makes the weasels okay, so laugh themselves to death. Yep. So there's a there's been a running statement that the weasels, even though a, a very clear plot point that we haven't really discussed is tunes can't die and the point of the mm. dip is that it seems to be the only way we know for sure that tunes can die except there is this running statement that the weasels will laugh themselves to death so apparently mm. these are like the only tunes who can die another way i don't want to think about that too hard yeah so jessica and Roger have been like strung up and are going to be hosed down and destroyed with the dip. And then it's going to crash through the warehouse wall into Toontown and destroy Toontown. Mm -hmm. So they're having this tender final moment where she's like, he was better than Roger was better than goofy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And Eddie has this moment of, well, they've even Judge Doom has made the crack about them dying laughing, and he decides, yeah, he's going to put on a little show and have a sing and try to get the weasels to laugh themselves to death. Yeah. It's like the only thing he's got yeah. left. And so we have very serious, dramatic actor, tiny hairy man Bob Hoskins doing these pratfalls and singing a song and mm-hmm. makes them laugh themselves to death. Judge Doom <laughs> has been like, off camera for a few minutes yeah, for reasons. Who knows and then where he, he's been? I don't I don't know what was happening at this point. The 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 a judge of a good movie is that it can have these big plot gaps and you don't notice them you when you're notice. watching it because yeah. you're just carried along with it and it's like yeah. it works. He pulls a sword out of his cane because, of course, he's the kind of guy who has a sword in uh-huh. his cane and Eddie grabs his singing sword Acme product, which mm-hmm. is basically a Dean Martin joke. Mm-hmm. Um, which definitely would have sailed over my head as a child. <laughs> Basically, via the means of a large bulldozer, uh, Eddie escapes via portable hole and Doom gets completely squished flat by the bulldozer. Yeah, steamrolled. He gets kind of glued to the ground somehow. It's super and then, gross. And That's then right, yeah. steamrolled. And as he's being steamrolled, it becomes 
he's he's completely flattened, but then he can sit up, and that's when it's really confirmed for us that he is actually a tune. He has yep. red eyes, and he is very obviously the tune that killed Eddie's brother. His voice goes all high. He's yeah, his eyes are animated and. I think it just it looks incredible and I think they did an amazing job as an adult. I remember as a child it was mind-blowing the combination yes. of human actor with animation and I was freaked out by him, absolutely terrified yeah. of Doom Revealed. Just mm-hmm. And I didn't see it coming, so it was this amazing twist yeah. that made sense because they sell, sell it the but whole yeah, way. It makes sense, but, but it isn't oh. twist enough for when you're little to go, oh, my God. I think as a child I might have thought this was the best movie ever made and, frankly, it was probably, probably the best movie I'd ever seen at this point. So Probably. Fair enough. So, so also Doom we've got to mention at this point the water hose has the, – the cannon has just been yes. going all over the place and um, they're, it's, they're trying to move it away from Jessica and Roger throughout these scenes happening. But it's getting to the point where it's, it's inevitable they're going to get sprayed. But it is all kind of stopped and foiled mm. at this point. Um, the whole kind of – floor though is just covered in dip and so we've got to get the water hose and a water cannon out to get that dip all the way I don't know where it goes yeah, he just water I don't know it, it down just like, he activates the fire hydrant and then they just hose the ground down and in a minute or less it's like it's, it's in the drains enough. now yeah it's, it's all good enough. you can come it, down now it's all fine and we the the stain the ink stain on Eddie's shirt because he's been in the same shirt for several days mm-hmm. now. Uh, from the ink and was it the ink and pen from the club that Acme yeah. squirted at him has reappeared. And Jessica notes, yes. "Oh, you've got an you've got an ink stain." And he's like, "What?" And we discover that Acme's disappearing, reappearing. Well, that's it. His disappearing ink is reappearing, reappearing ink, mm-hmm. and that's what he wrote the will in because he is. A chaotic person, yeah, who will who will do a joke if he's got the opportunity to do a joke. Who wrote Acme, a will? You're, the, you're kind of the worst. Gave it to Jessica that was just a blank piece of paper. By the time Jessica got it, and then there was a kerfuffle at home, and Roger has actually written his love letter for Jessica on the will and Jessica has picked up just a blank piece of paper, thinking that it is the will. And at this yep. point. He's got the love letter and says, read this out. He's like, this is just my love letter. But then through it, read all it the will appears through the love letter. And it's and basically saying, right yeah, he's just, he's left Toontown collectively to the tunes of Toontown. So Doom can't get his hands on it. Yeah, well, he's, he's dead anyway now. Also, so. then he did get dipped and it was a fully what a world, what a world. Um, I definitely feel like it was that performance part was referencing the Wicked Witch of the West being melted yeah. by water and yes. it was great. Yes. Yeah. So that's right. So he got melted, but no one else is going to be able to make it into a freeway. Mm-hmm. Hooray. So no one can get easily from LA to Pasadena to this day. <laughs> <laughs> All of the tunes, it seems to still have broken down the wall to Toontown, though. That's right, yeah. The, the, the big um, water cannon in. machine um, has 
somehow destroyed like they've a wall deactivated it they've gotten rid of the dip but it has crashed through the wall to toontown and now toontown and the um and the warehouse of now the same mm-hmm. space and a whole bunch yes. of tunes come in uh we see some extremely famous characters like uh porky pig comes in and mm-hmm. that's all folks it's At pretty great end. Yeah, and that yeah. is that's all, folks. Yiddy yiddy. I don't know how to do it. You need to find a porky yibbidi, pig. Yiddy No, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. The guy who does the voice now, there's an there's a documentary about voice actors, and he's basically like he's the only guy who could do it. That's job security. Yeah, isn't it? And it really well, is. Yeah. What a sad moment when he no longer can do it. I know we're stuffed. You can only have one porky a generation. Yeah, <laughs> that's all, folks. He's got to he's got to choose his protege and teach them the secrets. Yeah. Maybe it's like a thing you hand, you hand down to your sons or something. Yeah. It's just yep. the line. It's a hereditary, like like the British crown. Yeah. The porky ability pig. to do the porky pig voice. <laughs> Yay. So Yay. that was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Chaotic. Like you said, not really for kids. Like we were saying this to each other yesterday, actually. I was like, oh, yeah. God, it was a lot more complicated than I remember. It was mm. kind of pa- was confusing in parts of who. And I, I, I'm i sure you all feel that confu- confusion now because we did such a great job of describing. <laughs> what, what are my notes? All the doom. <laughs> Freeway. Privatised PT. Yeah. Eyes pratfall. Yeah. People being no. blackmailed. The, the this, notes got. Thinking this person was blackmailing this person for that reason, but it was really for this other reason. And God. But that is, that is a noir plot. Like that's a sort of Sam Spade, you know, that's a, the kind of thing that you would have um, Humphrey Bogart in. That's yeah. the, what the plots were like. But do you know what I was but, thinking Yeah, not child night. appropriate. I think, it, I think it was harder to understand, like to follow and understand because it is such a quick movie like it's quick paced basically yeah. like it's really really yeah. quick and so these are quite complex plot lines and why this mm. person's doing this and why this person's blackmailing this person that it was so quick that we didn't really have the time to digest and understand yeah. and know who these characters are because these characters who were doing the blackmailing really only had five minutes on screen yeah, it's a couple. Like, there's like two scenes with Maroon or three scenes with Maroon. That's it. Acne's yeah. only in really in that one scene. One. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of hard for character development for us to fully grasp and understand mm. why they would do things when it's just fleetingly. Yep. When something like Dolores just says, "Well, I think it's because of this," and you go, "Oh, okay, mm. okay." And that's that's it basically. I think. Yeah. I think if it was a, a TV series. Yeah. It would have been easier to follow. Like, do you know what I mean? Like if there was, it was a six part TV series, someone make Roger Rabbit a six part TV series. It would be easier to follow. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. You could have flashed all of that out. But on the other hand, it works pretty well. I do like a movie. It's an hour 45. It's quick and it moves quick. But there's a lot in that in that quick move. That's what I'm saying. That's why I think it was harder for me to kind of know what was going on. Yeah. Because it was so quick with a lot of information. Now, IMDb claims that there is a Who Framed Roger Rabbit 2 in production. What? Yeah. I do this quite like, a bit, for like don't this I? Year, I pick a movie do. that's, that's going to have a sequel without knowing that that's what's going to happen. 
Yeah, so when I was in IMDb and I've clicked on Robert Zemeckis to see, oh. you know, what are his other credits, announced pre-production uh, items in his producer credits, who framed Roger Rabbit 2? Oh, there you go. Very little information. Oh, God, that's terrible trivia. Bob Hoskins will not reprise his role in this sequel due to his death in 2014. It's oh, like, yep, you don't need to rub I it in, I didn't know he died. Oh, he died. Yeah, like oh. 71, which so I felt was quite young. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh. Mm. oh. I'm sorry. I just yeah, felt that he would be it's very an sad. old man now just kicking around. Yeah. So I was like, no, I haven't that's seen I him in anything hoping. lately. <laughs> that's why he hasn't been in anything Jeez. lately, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, it is. That's he was fantastic. Sad. So I think I just from my little research now, Tim Curry was pegged to play um, Judge Doom, which you can see there's a little oh, mock-up of photos yes. there. And, yeah, that, that would have worked yes. just as well. That would have been amazing. Um, I can see that. No, no shade. But he was to deemed Lloyd. He was fantastic. No, but they, Tim Curry was deemed to just to be too terrifying, and it wouldn't have worked because of the, I guess because of the it element, basically. He, and they didn't want to petrify. He could do things with his face, like he. <laughs> it's quite a stony performance from Christopher Lloyd, and he uses his voice, I think, extremely effectively. Yeah, Tim Curry can do amazing things with his voice too. I think it would have been incredible. I think you're right. I think it would have been fucking terrifying. Yeah. I think it might have been the part where it did uh, cross over from being child appropriate to not child appropriate. I think it would have scared the shit out of us. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the kind of thing where I would love if there were um, if there were any recordings of an audition process out there. I would love to see it. Well, they actually wanted to cast um, Bill Murray as – Detective Valiant. I can, I can picture it, but again, it's tonally extremely different. Well, and you know why? And he this missed isn't out at on the it? point in his. How did he miss out on it? Because of the crazy, ridiculous way that Murray does business. Even back in 1988, ah, he never got the yes. phone call and didn't show up. <laughs> Classic Bill Murray. I think it was fantastic. I think it needed. I think Bill Murray certainly is excellent as a straight man comedic actor. But I think mm. Bob Hoskins, I think it ended up being inspired. It was it was magnificent. And I, lo- I think he was the right age too. He brings that kind of grizzled, a bit worn down by the years. So this one, f- well, technically four Oscars. So it won for visual effects, which goddamn right it did. Sound effect editing, again. Absolutely goddamn right. And film editing and a special achievement award for the animation direction mm-hmm. and creation of the cartoon characters. So sort yeah. of special like non-category. Well, it was also so nominated for sound. Yeah. yeah, it was nominated for cinematography, sound and art direction. And frankly, it w- would have been completely fair to win those two. Listen to this. So this is also from ScreenRant.com. After filming, Bob Hoskins had to take a year off acting to recruit to recuperate he said the voice of the rabbit was just behind the camera all the time so he you know like so the talk so they could talk said yeah the trouble was I had to learn how to hallucinate if you do that for eight months it becomes hard to get rid of 
So he's he genuinely just, in all of those scenes picturing the rabbit yeah. and really like imagining yeah. the rabbit. Okay, that explains why his performance where he was is so good. To a lady with a big hat, and there was a and to him it just looked like a weasel in a hat, and he needed some oh, wow. obviously needed some some time away to, to to recuperate and wow stop so hallucinating this movie basically broke Bob Hoskins I think so well there so you instead go. of having a stand in I guess mm. he just he imagined he actually imagined a rabbit and weasels yeah. interesting oh there you oh, go think very carefully before you show that to your children no, nah, it's fine. They just walk away when they don't understand what's going on in my experience anyway. It's true. If Briar feels that something's a bit scary, as she was telling me, she'll just go and then hang out on her bed and then be bored and then go and do something else. What are we going to watch next time, Kate? Next episode will go up at the most wonderful time of the year, Eurovision. Mm. So we're going to watch Fire Saga, the story of Eurovision yes. with Will Ferrell. Yes. Yeah. I love that movie. I know it very well. We know oh, the I've songs. only watched it the once. I've only Have watched you? it the once. <gasps> yeah. No, because because times. when it came out in 2020, uh, so they filmed 2019 at the at the Eurovision that was happening that year. Can't remember mm-hmm. where it was off the top of my head. Um, came out in 2020. Well, the year in we the didn't movie, have I a think Eurovision. It's in Scotland. So yep, we're gonna we're, look. Scotland? We're gonna talk about no. Oh. No, there's not. There has not been one in Scotland. We're going to talk about not. the... Of course not. The UK never win. <laughs> How silly of me exactly. to even think that. We will talk about that, but one of the least realistic things they do is having it in the UK. Like, that's that's not going to happen. That hasn't happened in about 20 years. It's mm. not going to happen again anytime soon, mm. guys. But yes, so this movie came out, unfortunately for it, the year where it couldn't have a nice cross-promotion with the real Eurovision. But for fans, it was the year we didn't have one, so it sort of mm. replaced Eurovision Vision, for me yeah. that year. Yeah. And I do have a massive soft, soft spot for it. Yeah. But I haven't watched it since, so no, it's really see how funny. it held up. It's a great yeah. movie. It is a great movie. Awesome. If you haven't seen it, I strongly recommend Yes, if you want a good this. laugh, especially on a rainy day like today that we're getting now. Yeah. Down here in Victoria, put Fire Saga on. Have a laugh yeah. at the silliness. Yeah. yeah. Eurovision is, you can take it seriously, but you should also have a sense of humour about it. Mm-hmm. And this movie's perfect for that. Yep. Awesome. Can't wait. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it again. And I'm excited for Eurovision Italy this year in Italy. Turin. Yes. Mm. Very nice. So we'll, we'll see, see you all in a fortnight. Soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. You can find us at youwatchedwhat.net on Instagram as youwatchedwhat, on TikTok as youwatchedwhat, or anywhere you can get podcasts, including Spotify.
Holy guacamole. Okay.